You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Heidi Ho, Post Farmer Adam Joe. Heidi Ho, Farmer Joe. <laughs> I think a Heidi Ho um, neighbor, Tim. Um, name that guy. I don't Wilson, know. Home oh. Improvement. Yeah. This the, is the Land really and Legacy. Away. That's right. This is the <laughs> Land and Legacy Hunting Podcast coming to you right here on Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, Saturday mornings. Welcome, guys, to the weekend. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully. Probably Woo. you probably listened to us middle of the week and you just skipped out on us during the weekend. Thanks a lot. Um, anyway, we have a fun topic for you. A lot of uh, our last tears po- on the sleeve. And <laughs> I was thinking the last podcast I said cup check without yeah. the cup. This yeah, is kind of a, a talk about the cup check without the cup. Definitely, definitely. This is these are real life scenarios. Um, I don't know yours. You don't know really the history too much of the story that I'm going to share. However, I don't um, have a story. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I wanted it to be way too long. I'll 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 fill in the gaps then for them. Uh, it makes sense when we when we share what we're talking about um, this week. But man, alive it it happens to everyone. If you hunt long enough, it's happened to you. And I think it, the question is, um, some people put it not, it's not a matter of, of if, it's when. Um, but to me, it's not a matter of if, it's it's what you do with it or how you get over it um, or what, what does that mean for you. It's not, um, it's not if, it's when. And then when it happens, it. it's what's, what's to follow. Exactly. So by now, you might have figured it out. This whole podcast this week is talking about the famous miss. Yeah. And boom, right there. Everyone just said, I remember, I have that memory. I have that that time 
in my life um, that I was on stand or in a blind in a hunting situation where out steps a great deer or or maybe it's a long beard the hunt that you just imagined um, that you had dreamed about just coming together unfolding uh, and then you drop the ball you miss bow gun muzzleloader rifle stick and string Bow and arrow, not bow and arrow, I was thinking slingshot. Yeah. Addle, addle, or however Anything. They say it. Don't matter. A miss hurts. But it's what you do after you miss that that makes the difference. And that's what we're talking about. We're going to be open. Well, I hope <clears throat> it's not necessarily the educational what to do after the miss. It's what we do after the miss. And then a whole bunch of talking about misses. <laughs> yeah. We want this podcast to be relaxed and fun. And so we're talking a lot about the misses. And um, and by misses, I'm not talking about our wives. I'm talking about the missed no. shots. Um, but I will say one thing before we get started. For me, I have the benefit of, of not having a very good memory. And, and it's almost selective memory because I can remember where I was in 1996 when I heard that song on the radio and how I felt and things like that and how the sky looked and things. I was running a 97.8 degree um, like that's how you felt, or, or are you talking like emotion wise? Oh, like, like I was young and impressionable, oh, and I was yeah, just yeah, a boy. yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, I can remember some of the finest of details, but when it comes to other things, I forget. You just blank it out. I completely blank it out. And so I have when we when you called me this evening and said, "Hey, let's do it on this." And what do you think? And I'm like, I'm gonna have to go back in the noggin and see what I can remember about the misses because I've tuned a lot of them out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember them because, frankly, they're no good to remember uh, sometimes. And for me, sometimes for for me, the memories uh, of these misses, I can think of a couple of big ones in my life that really, really frustrated me um, because early on, especially with a rifle, strange, I, I say rifle, with a gun, because I, as I said before a, on podcast... A, a shouldered firearm with a single projectile. Yes. A sh- <laughs> when I first started deer hunting, it was a 20-gauge slug. Oh, hammer slammer. And it was, yeah, uh, I did the same. And so it kicked like a mule. I did the um, No same. rifled barrel, just... it was Smooth the, bore and a bead on the end of that joker. That's right. And deer driving, lean me up, all 60 pounds... With a big old Mossberg shotgun with slug that kicked me, doubled me over, um, and Dad would run deer by me, and I'd shoot at him and miss and miss and miss. And I think I missed the first the first two years of hunting with that gun. I missed. I never killed a deer with that gun. Really? Um, never. Where no. is it at? Is it the one that's... Oh, I got it right that's here. That's the in same the house. one. The same one. Okay, we're <laughs> changing that. This that's year. the one that I missed the turkey with at the. Uh, oh yeah, that on, third film on film number two. Was it two? Yeah, it was film two. Number two. Film number two. We, we shot Joker. five times, so that. Uh, oh, 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 you shot three times. I shot twice. <laughs> I said we shot five times. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the same gun. But I killed my first funny. turkey with that gun. Okay. And I killed a lot of turkeys with that gun. Mm-hmm. But I missed a pile of deer, and I remember being so frustrated and thinking, like, I'm no good at this. <laughs> it was like, you might as well put me on a, uh, a big old freight ship out in the ocean and give me that gun, and I still wouldn't have been able to hit, hit water. it. water. 
Yeah. <laughs> it'd have been like, boom, shoot it out, and then a bird flies by. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> it wouldn't hit water. And wow. so for me, it was uh, very frustrating at a young age. And then carry that into kill my first kill my first deer, shot a few more deer, and saved up cutting grass money and bought a thirty out six semi automatic and I'm another handed another shoulder so cannon. Keep that in mind. Um, and it really isn't bad. I I still have that gun. Actually, I sold it to my father, um, and I had built a big old shooting house and this is my most famous miss this is your this is your time to shine right here this This was this is it this is it this was my the miss that really affected me um and frankly it changed it changed me on the hunting side and i'll explain that why in a second so i believe i was in eighth grade and I had built a shooting house. I'd found three big old post oaks growing together, and I built a shooting house in it. And it was the first shooting house we had. And um, so, because of that, anytime it got cold, everybody wanted to hunt my shooting house. Well, gun season's rolled around, it's cold, and Dad goes, why don't, why don't I go back to the shooting house with you? So he comes and sits in the shooting house with me. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden... It's cracking daylight. We're looking due east. So keep in mind, due east, that time of the year, is looking straight into the rising sun. So we're sitting there, and we hear something rustling, kind of chasing on the back end of the ridge. It runs silhouetted along the top of the ridge, and you can just see a doe. She goes bouncing off, and Dad goes, you better get ready. That, that doe's getting chased by Buck. There it comes. And so here came... Well, I don't know. You know that it seems like hours or minutes, but it's probably 30 seconds, but it felt like you're like waiting and waiting. The gun's shouldered, and you're just like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Finally, you're almost like setting the gun down. Then here he comes, and he's coming down a little bit lower, but he crosses the top of the ridge, and you see the silhouette. All I see is body. Dad goes, yeah, you want to shoot that deer? I can't really see him that well. I'm trying to find him in the scope. He comes down a little closer, so he's not silhouetted, and uh, um, that was back in the day. <laughs> Throw your head up. He Pick locked it up. Boom! And I like jump up, like kind of pull my head off the off the gun, and I said, "Did I get him? Did I hit him?" Dad goes, "He's still standing there." And at I'm that like, at that volume too, at right? That, at pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed like it. That's probably what I missed. Yeah, he was yeah. yelling at me. Thanks, Dad. It was Dad's fault. Whole <laughs> so, time. That's that was, what I learned from this. Uh, you taught me. Yeah. So I'm like, all right. And I put the I put the like I'm and I can remember. I can still see it. I can see the white patch, and he stopped right in line with the split blackjack. And so I'm kind of having a little bit of trouble looking that way at him. And I'm just like seeing crosshairs bounce everywhere. And I see, I see white patch. I see face. And I get on the shoulder and I somewhat settle. Probably didn't settle at all. Boom! He runs off. And I'm like, I got him that time. Dad goes, no, you didn't. Mm. And I'm like, are you serious? And I had gone from missing first couple of years and missing and missing. Finally killed a deer, but missed a couple more. I don't know how many deer I missed at a young age with with that 20 gauge slug, but it was a bunch, and uh, very frustrated. 
and then that went into finally having a deer rifle that I thought I could smoke. Felt confident with. And, and then, I missed you, the, then you threw it out of the tree. Missed the very <laughs> first good buck I ever yeah, shot at. Right. And it took me years to figure out how big Dad said that deer, because I never saw the antlers. Mm-hmm. And I said, how big was that deer? No, he's a good one. He finally told me he was a really good one. Ah. And, uh, yeah, I just flat out choked, <clears throat> went up to that blackjack af- afterwards, and there's two big old holes in it. I shot over the top of him. Dad, Pretty good it. pattern, though. Hey. I mean, pretty good group. So when you get, When thing. you get excited, just aim... Eight inches, eight inches low, right? I guess. <laughs> and that that whole experience, that would have been eighth grade. Next year, I bought a bow. And that's really what And then the like. misses continued. <laughs> no. Uh, and frankly, at a young age, I didn't miss a lot of deer with a bow. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like, okay, I feel way more confident in shooting a deer with, an, with a bow than I do with a rifle. <laughs> and for the next, well... I, I don't know, eight years, I did way more, bu- and even now I do way more bow hunting than gun hunting, um, but I started getting more confident with a rifle, but that whole experience really jacked with my, the six inches space between my ears to where I started bow hunting more, um, and it really, really affected me, and, and it took a lot of time going back and <laughs> going on the range, shooting rifles, and getting more comfortable with a rifle because as i've told you matt i didn't shoot a lot of rifles big guns growing up because we didn't have a lot the biggest rifle we had as a kid was a 30 30 open sight so we didn't have a scope mm-hmm. and so putting a scoped rifle to my shoulder was a whole new experience so that's my story yeah well i guess i'll ask you the question you can ask me later on or it'll come out um like with with that miss, like the the feeling of it, um, besides picking up a bow the next year, like what did it do to you, or like did it not do anything? As in, you know, mentality of I don't want to do this again. So like, what was was your answer? Just pick up a bow, try something different, or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, for me. The experience was one of those things, as you know, I'm a very competitive person, and most importantly with myself. Um, And so for that, it was like, I'm never letting this happen again. How do I get better at this? And so I spent more time in the off-season practicing with that rifle um, and carrying that rifle, coyote hunting and all kinds of different things, trying to just shoot it more, get more comfortable with it. Um, Because as a kid, I remember, and as as a teenager... I was way more focused on the season and not the preparation. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there was a lot of other things going on in my life in, in those days. And so it was like... Chasing girls. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't even <laughs> talk to a girl till I met my wife. So, um, <laughs> Oh, that's funny. And so basically for me, it was instead of looking at deer season as a three-month ordeal or, or even a 10-day ordeal with the rifle season, it was more of a... It started in June and July and August to really get prepared for it. Um, but then that was when I really started studying kind of my breathing too. And that's been the number one thing for me on, on all, if you were to just say all shooting in general has been my breathing and how to control that. Mm-hmm. Um, because as a young kid, I had no control over my breathing and it was just... <sighs> and now, I mean... I still get really, really shook up with turkeys and deer and everything, um, but I I have a way to control it, and uh, 
and and that's been my number one thing on getting better and recovering from misses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For for me, I guess my story <clears throat> is a little bit opposite um, from the fact that I had a my dad had a twenty two that I grew up shooting a lot with man we used to burn through 22 rounds like crazy shooting tin cans and this was this was what open kind, sights what kind of 22 marlin okay semi-auto um, semi-auto you bet yep and we we throw uh, 13 14 two barrel sh- two barrel yep you bet um we throw a lot of rounds in that joker and, and take off go squirrel hunting or um or just shoot and what you know would now be plinking. Man, we were just shooting at that point, um, shooting all sorts of stuff against trees, against the ground, whatever it was. Yeah, I feel sorry for the people that ever try to cut those trees down around those areas. Uh, no, like, like we had like, we had the shooting tree. Oh, like you only every, shot every, one. We only shot one. Oh, yeah, we shot all kinds of. Them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we we shot one, and I mean it is where we grew up. Extremely visual that you know what happened there. Um, with slugs and 22s, so many turkey rounds, buckshot, you name it. Anyhow, I had that exposure early on, and I started with the 20-gauge, too. Um, I, I remember the first year I ever shot at, I missed completely. And then, then the next year, in, in third grade, I harvested a deer. Um, it was a doe with the same gun. But I remember that excitement that it, it didn't even matter that I missed. I wasn't even mad the first time I shot at the deer. It was too far. I didn't care. But I, I was hunting, and I was doing what Dad did, and I was doing what I knew I was going to love. And I shot at a deer and just missed it and whiffed, and I was the happiest kid out there it was thanksgiving morning i was like dude i just i put my gun up on a deer and i shot at it and i missed didn't bother me at that point but as i got older i i began to realize you know hey i i want to actually bring something home (laughs) i want to um, be successful like when i do have an opportunity i want to i want to harvest an animal cleanly and um, make it count and so that 22 became an important tool um, for me to learn basically breathing, like you said, but then that trigger pull and, and just squeezing off rounds. Um, and I did a lot of just freehand shooting because it was a 22. It was lightweight. You could just, you know, do that no problem. Um, and then that helped out. So I guess what I'm saying is my miss happened later on in life that just the one that really sticks out to me that hit me like, Matt, don't ever do this again because you hate this feeling. Because I had the the ability as a as a kid, as a younger adult, to practice a bunch and did. So when I was in college, I went, I worked at Quantico Marine Corps Base. Um, I came back. Um, I guess it was it was probably over election day or, or a weekend, something. Um, but it's muzzleloader season, and. <clears throat> I went, I take it back, it was Thanksgiving, but I, I didn't take a, uh, my shotgun, slug guns, you can only use that there, no rifles, I took the muzzleloader with scope, and um, had set up, I I'd worked this this area, um, put in food plots, knew that the training area very, very well, and happened to be open um, access to hunters when I was back, and it was kind of like the perfect storm, um, there was weather moving in later that day. I had gone in um, to a field that we had planted. I just I felt good about it. It was in an area that's hardly ever open, so very little pressure. 
and I get set up, nothing, nothing, nothing. See a couple deer, nothing I wanted to take. I was way back in there. Um, weather comes in, starts to spit rain, sleet, snow a little bit, all that mixture. I just felt like, you know what, I don't, I don't want to sit here anymore. I sat here long enough. I need to kind of get up and move a little bit, and I don't think they're becoming to feed anymore anyhow. So walk through the woods. And this is, this is again, Thanksgiving, so kind of post-rut. Um, and I was just still hunting. By this time, it had rained enough. There was much moisture on the leaves. I was just kind of easing down these logging roads. And I, honestly, 20 minutes after I left the field, I, I just see that flash of, of a flicker of a tail. I was like, oh. Oh, okay. There's a deer. There was a buck and a doe, and he was locked on her, like sixty yards off this logging road. And I remember seeing, identifying, okay, two deer, and then I saw antlers. <clears throat> and at first, I didn't see the entire mass of antlers on his head. I just could see, you know, his ears and the bases, and I knew right away. Oh my gosh, this is a incredible deer immediately heart started pounding and racing the does kind of locked on i know that he's not going anywhere until she goes so i got a little bit of time but not much i shoulder the the muzzle loader and because of all the rain and 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 the differences uh in temperature i had kind of had it close to my body the scope there's a little bit of fog on the scope or or um they're just kind of cloudy when i look through it whether it's moisture whatever it was but i had a limited time i put the gun up on it put the crosshairs where i thought was just dead perfect dead right 60 yards i I had it leaned up against a tree and everything um i take the shot kapoom felt good but what i had failed to do in that whole time frame did you say kapoom or kapooya kapoom not kapooya Kapoom. Jokers are so big. <laughs> Kapooya, Kapooya. No, I, I, I had I had failed in that whole time frame to take in the fact that there's a branch um, kind of coming across the deer's like front shoulder, across the top of it. Um, and based on that, kind of ended up cutting off some of the antlers. So I could see his head, but like through his top of his shoulders and front shoulder, um, I did not see it. And you ask how? I don't really know. It was a little a little cloudy and blended in well with the, the deer's coat. But 60 yards, like, dude, it's on. It's dead. Kapoom. He runs off. And I look back through the scope and see the bottom side of that um, branch, just a big old chunk missing. Mm. And I remember, like, oh, my gosh. I just botched this golden opportunity um, like I, I haven't ever hunted that area again because it, it's just so infrequent that it's open. Um, so deer do get old on that portion of public ground. Anyhow, I, I, I don't know how big of a deer it was. Um, I'm confident, very confident that it was over probably 150 inches um, for what little bit of grasp or, you know, look glimpse I, I did get. But I, I just, I botched it. Um, and for me... I didn't steady the gun. I rushed it. I didn't take full observation of what was in its surrounding. Um, so for me, after after that, I guess digesting that miss, it was be 100% certain of the yardage, of where you're aiming. That whole, 
uh, aim small, miss small quote everyone's heard from the Patriot. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Oh, yeah. Isn't that when he, uh, I didn't know that was on the Patriot. Is yeah. that when they're up on the bank and they're yeah. shooting down? Okay, and he's got his And the, his son's just, aim small, miss small, aim small. Okay, small. I couldn't remember where that came from, but all right, yeah. It, it, like, I actually had that taped on my bow for a couple of years. Really? Yeah, yeah. That, that was the movie The Patriot, but like, at that moment, it was like, I didn't. I I knew that, but I didn't remind myself of that. And and I haven't had an opportunity, I say that, but um, like that, probably since. Um, and, and it just stuck with me that if I don't take the time to examine everything and pick that one spot that I know is going to, if I, if I aim here, settle it, that's going to kill that deer, then that's what I miss. Yeah. With it, whether it's a, a bow or a gun, I don't think I've really, I haven't gun hunted much at all since then. Um, but specifically with a bow, if, if I have to know the yardage within a couple, couple yards, and I have to be confident in the spot that, that it, where I'm aiming is right, whether it's to you know compensate for drop, but before I release an arrow or pull a trigger, that moment was aim small, miss small. Do not make that mistake and let something fly, and, and you're because you're probably going to botch it. Oh like, yeah, it, it just it it hit me. I, I think I still have a picture on my phone of that stinking tree. Hmm. Like I tell you, it's not the misses that really. Have, have, yeah, they certainly teach me. It's the wounds that really hit me. Mm. And I wounded a couple. I wounded a couple of really good deer, young, into bow hunting that still haunt me today. Yeah, that really taught me. Well, one of them was a quartering two shot that was ten steps. Well, I can make Chip that shot. shot. Right? It's the classic. I can jump that far. Or I can make mm-hmm. that shot. Never found that deer. It actually got killed eleven days later by a gun hunter and said it. It just had a big cut in its in its brisket, um, and where the arrow had went in, and then it somehow backed back out. But that one taught me so much about you know at that range. I thought I could put that arrow right in there. That's one of the big reasons why I don't take quarter and two shots hardly at all anymore, um, especially at that steep angle. Another one was a public ground shot. Um, very big learning curve for learning experience for me on don't going don't trailing deer too soon after the shot you may look like you double lunged them but if you one lung if they were slightly quartering two and you one lunged them they need more time and i went in after that deer getting trying to get it found before my buddies and i gathered up and drove home that night and i jumped that deer um that's whole other learning experiences one lung deer uh, i think before before they actually do expire until that moment they expire it's 50 50 like it could still it could still live through this because they are so very much alive out of one lung like you have to treat in your mind you have to have that that's next that, week's podcast so let's just back okay. off here well now you gave it away no that's it. you're gonna <laughs> have to come one. back to hear about those go. learning experiences and and what we learned from them but the misses that's something that just ugh. It's just one of those things that nags you and mm-hmm. and can teach you a lot. And yeah. for me, whenever once I figured out how to control my breathing and at least control it for the five seconds or ten seconds of trying to settle a shot, um, that's been the huge thing for me. Of okay, 
that's I, I need to get this under control or I need to figure out another thing to do because this is not working. Yeah, like for, for for me, the the moment that I remember that if you were to within within the the whole hunt that I was always remember like, like that screenshot, if you will, in today's technology term, that always just goes into the memory bank is right before I pull that trigger or hit the release. Wherever that sight was, the sight pin or the crosshairs, boom, that's ingrained in my memory. Like, uh, I know exactly where I was aiming on that deer. I think of sometimes where um, you've done the whole, like, okay, I'm on, I'm on it, I'm on it, I'm on it. And then, the like, you're like, I need to pull the trigger now. I feel like the crosshairs are dropping below the deer. <laughs> I need to pull the trigger now. And it goes just off the deer, but you're like, and the deer's getting ready to run. You're like pull the trigger and you're like ah i shouldn't have shot then i i've had i can really? think of two times when i did that whereas like i need to pull the trigger it's getting ready to run i need to pull the trigger oh no the sights are cool and it just reflexes pulls the trigger when one hand's trying to pull the trigger while the other hand's trying to set settle that and it's just like and that's what my whole i this whole podcast has had me sitting here thinking back and some of the misses that happened to me one of them was was uh two days in a row with a 20 gauge slug deer comes up 13 steps okay right there and i flinched so bad with that slug gun flinch and i'm like i had to hit that deer walk up there and there's a little old three three inch diameter dogwood blown in half nope didn't hit that one dad goes dad comes trotting up there did you get that one nope man okay son well let's all done running right to you you did find another one so put another shell back in the gun and go drive out on another little draw. Deer comes bouncing down 25 yards. Meh. Stops. Boom. Big old dirt clod laying underneath it five yards nice. back where I shot just under it. Nice. It was a terrible, terrible time when it came to hunting for me. So picked up the well, bow. And, Rest and, is history. And, and I will say, honestly, after the the – a few misses early on, um, nothing that stood out quite like the, the story that was shared. Um, but when I picked up a bow, it was, it was almost like a whole new responsibility of, of, I know that there's, there's horror stories of, of wounded deer, whether you have a rifle shotgun or a bow, but I was more conscious of them. I think when I took up archery, um, that I was more committed and more responsible to taking the right shots opposed to ones where uh, I can make that. Um, and, and then knowing the exact yards and knowing how confident you are with you and your, and your equipment, whatever it is you choose to use at that point, becoming an, a bow hunter, I do pick up a gun or a rifle to me. It's like, psh, I'm so confident. Like I, I know when I pull the trigger, I'm hitting where I'm hitting. I can make the shot because of archery, if that makes sense, because yeah. there's so much other uh, factors of, of slowing the game down, um, you know, being part of that moment when it, when it's happening, when the buck's charging at 30 yards, you got to make the shot through around a little brush or whatever it may be. Uh, you know, knowing I can do that with, with a bone arrow, 200 yard shot, the rifle, right breathing, crosshairs done. Yeah. I, I'm sitting here thinking about the the phrase of because uh, we're talking about a lot of missed opportunities, and I think I, I may mess this up, but they always say 
God has a sense of humor because when you're young, you don't have the money, but you have the time. But then when you get older, you have the money, but you don't have the time. And I think about hunting is when you have the time to hunt, you're not a very skillful. When you're a teenager and you're in college, you're hunting all the time. and But you don't have the skills mm-hmm. to really just be a cold-blooded, just go out and get it done. And then once you do get it figured out, family comes along and you don't get to hunt near as much. And it's like, man, if I know what I knew, if I knew what I know now, and I had the time that I had when I was in high school and all the opportunities, I would have, I'd have a wall, it seemed like, of, of deer heads. Um, but unfortunately, I made a lot of stupid, stupid mistakes when I was growing up. It happens. But that's, there's a learning curve. There's definitely a learning curve to, to figure it out. And I think a couple misses thrown in there um, for anybody, they're going to figure it out probably pretty quick. Um, they're going to have to learn how to adapt because again, like, like you said, and like, you've known and probably experienced misses aren't fun. No, not, not fun at all. And for me, the competitive side of that goes, okay, how do I prevent that? And it was controlling my breathing, practicing more and understanding more about shot placement, timing of the shot, um, and all those things. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm competitive within within my own self and, and my ability to do something. If I disappoint myself, man, that's, I, I don't, I'm not a depression person, but I'm like, you dumb, dumb, you should have done better. Like, do not ever do that again. Your body hates this. Your mind hates this. Be yeah. successful. Your gut's rolling and your yeah. body shouldn't be doing this. I, and no joke, I remember at a young age, there was, there was a turkeys, um, there was a turkey hunt that, I shot a turkey and I, I, I had to have wounded it. There was no blood, but I knocked it over, rolled it over, and I get up and run down there. Turkey had gotten up and, and was gone. And I remember at that point in my life, I stomached the, the disappointment fine because it was a cool experience. But my dad was back behind me calling my brothers off to my left. And seriously, I felt the disappointment that I didn't bring wild game like back to them and like, partake in the moment the enjoyment like i felt like i disappointed them and i do not want to disappoint anybody yeah, else I, I remember a story like that last Ooh. spring last spring oh yeah because my my granddad shotgun misfired yeah that one stunk that one stunk <laughs> oh we man. made it happen we got birds in range but oh misfire yeah. misfire misfire yep hmm we can go on and on about this but it was more uh, to me i like I don't know. I like talking, just hunting stories. That's why I enjoy this podcast. The other one, yeah. we actually have to have notes and everything prepared. And this one, we can kind of just talk. And uh, talking about the misses and, and what we learned from them. And next week, we're going to have a very special topic. Actually, I think we already talked about that We've at one talked point. about how to blood trail deer, but not... we we And we shared some personal experiences with that um, or, or blood trailing other people's deer. But it's certainly another topic that we can expand upon and share more stories as we're getting closer to deer season. And they'll just have to come back next week to find out if we went ahead and go through with it. That's it. But if you have had a miss, and and you can relate to this kind of stuff, um, or you've got a buddy who misses, and you don't want to go through that pain this year. A buddy, air quotes. Yeah, yeah. I got a buddy that missed a buck one time. Share it with them. Yeah. Hopefully... They'll uh, they'll be able to um, maybe learn something or, or or put their 
energy into uh, practice and, and be successful this year. So would you rather, Matt, go on a deer drive? Yep. With a, and, I, and I'm saying this because I've done this. And, I probably uh, have too. Would you would you rather go on a deer drive with a open sight muzzleloader, fifty yeah. cal muzzleloader, um, in the brush and and anyway, deer drive? Don't know what's going to jump out. Or no. would you rather set on a feeder with an ot six? Oh, I'd much rather go on the the deer drive. <laughs> I mean, that was my roots. Yeah. We need to have a we need to have a podcast about deer drives. Okay. Seriously, that's what I grew up doing. Yeah. I mean, and, and whether you like it or not, I we did it with dogs sometimes. Well, here's oh, wow. Yeah. Dial it way back. Get the get Drop the, the hounds. hounds. Drop the tailgate, get the hounds. <laughs> Boo! Yeah. Boo! We actually had uh bird dogs so they didn't run them so far. Um as hounds that did miles, but seriously, let's do it. Dang, that's hillbilly right there, man. <laughs> I Get was the a dogs redneck. Out. I'm dead serious. It's killed... never been legal my entire life in Missouri, so it, I've in never Virginia, done it. Virginia, 100% legal. It's a huge part of the the hunting heritage tradition in Virginia. I mm. mean, big part of it. Um, yeah, I'd, I I'd probably go. Uh, I'd probably go deer drive as well. That was fun to me because you never knew what was going to step out. No, and yeah. honestly. I am not afraid of iron sights at all. I grew up iron sights all the way. I missed a pile of deer when my brother got a muzzleloader that was open sights, and it was like we did we did deer drives with it, and mm-hmm. it was like we only had one muzzleloader, so it was like, all right, here you take the gun, stand here, I'll go drive out this woodlot, drive funny. it out. You shot, of course you got your one shot, so it was like Dauphin button head. And doe, but I think I hear another one coming, so I'm going to wait. Maybe that one's a buck. And then if it stepped out and it's a forky horn or whatever, you're like, ah, dang, I should have shot the doe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No one-shot wonder. Yeah, and I can think of a lot of times where it was just like, did we even put a bullet in that thing? Because I don't think I hit anything. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the the puff of smoke. Yeah, that was it. It was always like, and smoke went everywhere. And then you walk down there and you're like, Nope. There ain't hide nor hair, nothing down here. <laughs> <laughs> and no bullet anywhere. So See, yeah. you thought I was a redneck for, for dropping the tailgate and letting dogs out. You're you're a redneck because you didn't even load the gun. You just no, put powder in we it. We loaded it, but <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Deer driving is how we did it growing up. And that that it, if you've done it, you've missed then too. So yep. anyhow, I think that just about wraps up the old You not got one for me? Oh the oh 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 I gotta think one. I gotta think one. Um for me, I, I think even deer drives when I was in college, we we did deer drives with bow with bows. Of course we called them pushes because we didn't run them near as hard. We used our scent rather than going in there and trying to herd them out like cows. Um but that was a big thing for us. We did a lot of pushes Saw a lot of really big deer on conservation ground in northern Missouri doing it too. Never killed any of them though. From a from a hunting heritage standpoint, would you rather go to Virginia and oh. experience the drop <laughs> of the tailgate with buckshot and and a large group of hunters surrounding <laughs> a a clear cut? And you've got drivers in there and dogs pushing deer around. Would you rather experience that, or would you rather go to North Maine 
and experience a uh, tracking a deer in the snow and having extremely low success rate. <laughs> You're and like deer per trying mile. to force me into Virginia here. No, I'm not. <laughs> I just want to. I just. I just want. You're going to go to uh, Maine, Antarctica, and where there's no deer, and try and hunt deer. <laughs> and you're going to get frostbite and lose three toes, <laughs> and or go to Virginia with all your buddies and yeah. and and hunt them by. Would you the, rather? The, the, the issue sp- I have, sp- and it's not really an issue, be, because it's legal. So. So what? When in Rome, so I'd pr- I I would go to Virginia. But here's the issue: oh. first time I ever hunted um, outside of Missouri in a state and a farm specifically that baited and had feeders set up. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up in Missouri, we couldn't hunt over feeders, and you couldn't even bait during deer season. And so it was always like uh, when we hunted that state, and there was feeders in view it was almost like i sat there like looking over my shoulder like where's the game warden yeah i'm gonna see the flash of that badge coming through this timber (laughs) and i i never felt easy there because it was so uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it was just one of those things out of the norm it's in my blood to where it's like i can't do it so when i was the same way when i did it it was like golly this does not feel right Mm -hmm. and not downing that but it just for me it was it wasn't comfortable. I didn't enjoy it, and I'm wondering if the dogs would be the same way. But if it's frostbite and no deer in Maine, I'll I'll go to Virginia and sit behind the hounds. So you want to sit in front of the hounds? In, whatever, in front. Of them. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I'm sitting there though. <laughs> yeah. Buckshot loaded I'm, down. I'm sitting behind them so I can tell the game warden. Listen, officer, I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the back sitters, like some people who would do that in base of the deer, they get smart enough because a lot of times people or or hunters will approach it from the same way and push the same blocks the exact same way, and deer become very accustomed to it as soon as they hear the hounds. How often are those woodlots getting... Oh, every every weekend. Oh, my. Every weekend. Poor deer. (laughs) The back sitters will kill the biggest deer. Wow. So you really, by that point, you're like, I don't know if I want to sit on the front or the back. Either way. Early season, I'm going the front. Late after, Seriously, after the first weekend, I'll go. I'll pick back every single time. Huh. Now, I honestly, I grew up where we didn't hunt with that many people, but I just, I heard the stories and, and yeah. Anyhow, we'll cover that on another podcast. <laughs> I doubt it because I know <laughs> nothing about it. <laughs> Woo! All right. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode of Land and Legacy's Hunting and Habitat Management Podcast. If you like what you hear, check us out at landandlegacy.tv. You can submit a viewer question right there. We're answering on the podcast. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Feels pretty good knowing that from the beginning of time, God has called us to be a caretaker, gamekeeper, a manager of the land. So with that being said, don't you think we should do it all for the love of the land and the glory to God? Mm